0: Hello and welcome to Petty Party! I'm your host, Grace. I'm about to graduate with a bachelor's in English. I'm relatively new to the romance world, but I found some writers I really like, such as Lisa Kleypas and Stephanie Lawrence.
1: And I'm your co-host, Natalie, a longtime fan of historical romance and a creative writing major. Some of my favorite writers are Julia Quinn, Kat Martin, and Amanda Quick.
0: Petty Party is our two-woman historical romance and review podcast. Uh, We will talk about books that we have both read or listened to, sharing our thoughts and the Goodreads scores when they are available. Each episode will focus on a different book or topic, and we will always try to let you know what we will be reading next.
1: Our next episode will discuss The Lady Chosen by Stephanie Lawrence, the first book in her popular Bastion Club series, which is currently available in the Kindle Store, on Audible, and in most libraries. Today's episode is focused on The Reclusive Earl by Ruth Ann Norton.
0: Over 500 Goodreads readers have rated this book 3.68 out of 5. What do you think, Natalie?
1: I would rate it similarly, um, about a 3.5 for me. A lot of the readers had similar opinions on their likes and dislikes, and we agreed with a lot of them. So, would you recommend this book? If you
0: want to read a bad book for fun, sure. Otherwise, no. It's a long read for a bad book, too, but at least it was free. This might be a good time to mention that all of our episodes will include spoilers. We're going to be discussing major plot points and our thoughts about characters and such in every episode. If you're sensitive to spoilers, right now might be a good time to start reading The Lady Chosen to join us in two weeks for that discussion.
1: So now with the details out of the way, on to the bodice ripping. (laughs) Or in the case of this book, the hiding under the bed? This book is only available electronically, and that should have been a clue. It was published in 2017. I happen to feel that this book took aspects that made could have made for a wonderful love story and turned it into a bit of a farce.
0: Before we get into that, let's give a quick summary. Here's the Goodreads blurb, albeit somewhat abbreviated. Titled gentlemen are supposed to be perfect. Everyone expects an earl to be refined in every way. Landon Tate, the Earl of Farewell, who's been on the receiving end of the ton's mockery since he first made his appearance in London, knows this best of all. After the last season, he vowed to stay as far away from London as possible, but when his brother lands in trouble, he has no choice but to come to his aid.
1: Miss Opal Beaufort is attending her brother's ball when she overhears some ladies snickering about a certain gentleman with a lisp. Almost as soon as she intervenes on his behalf, a scandal ensues, and she finds herself suddenly betrothed to him. Now, Landon isn't only forced to stay in London to face the ridicule of the town, but he must also deal with a very beautiful wife who might find him as imperfect as he fears he is.
0: Now, we chose this book based on the blurb and the fact that it was free on Kindle. The blurb makes it sound like a pretty pretty promising and heartfelt story, and while aspects of it were enjoyable, the writing left a lot to be desired, and things that were meant to be emotional often came off as downright
1: ridiculous. This story has all the markings of something that could have been an unusual and excellent romance, but it could have been so much better executed. I did love that both hero and heroine were virgins and that it was this time the woman who was more confident and self-assured even when it came to initiating sex despite her lack of actual experience their love story was also super sweet it began with opal's defense of landon and reversed after their marriage in a situation where he tries to protect her i like how they accepted each other's flaws and that there was no silly suspicion of cheating or anything like that that led to a separation between them and as that is so common in romance plots
0: I I personally liked how you could see the author's writing improve over the course of the story the cute little mystery and how realistic Opal's concerns with her slipping sanity especially considering this time the story took place in and her own history like not being able to be there for a child being a woman where that was expected of you and she wanted a family, that is a very real worry. That noted, those things weren't enough to save the story. It's very obvious who was behind the haunting as soon as the theory of it actually being a human moving things around, like, becomes apparent. There were all sorts of issues with the author not only choosing to show over telling, but being repetitive and doing both in adjacent sentences many times. The most notable to me was on page 29, when London learned Opal's name. Quote, His mother's favorite gemstone had been the opal because of the wide range of colors it contained. The very complexity of colors makes it the most interesting of all the gemstones, she once said. That's just a taste of what frustrates me in this book. So before I go on too long, what were some things that bothered you about this book, Natalie?
1: So now my issues. (laughs) There are a few. While I appreciated that the hero had a speech impediment that profoundly affected his confidence, I also feel that it was super overdone. Instead of making him a tragically handsome figure struggling earnestly with his burden and anxiety, the author seemed to unintentionally make him a laughingstock. Regardless of his anxiety and other issues, having him hide in the attic as a result of a gaffe during the wedding ceremony, and subsequently under his bed on the wedding night, was really just over the top. Um, It was absurd and her, Excessive descriptions of how sweaty he was when he was anxious Ugh. also went overboard and, like, kind of up the gross factor. Like, it was yeah. mentioned too many times and, like, so many times. how he was, like, soaking up whole handkerchiefs to really be something that I was willing to let go. Like, this is still a romance novel. I'm totally there. You know, for heaven's sake, I've had my hands inside of people's bodies. Like, I was an EMT and, you know, did a lot in emergency medicine and i'm not easily grossed out but i don't come to romance novels to hear about someone's copious sweating i come here for the romance um so her descriptions really made him seem more pathetic than i think was necessary it didn't seem like the sincere struggle of someone who was raised to have a lot of confidence and poise despite his speech impediment felt like laughing at his expense instead of a sincere expression of his turmoil.
0: Mm -hmm. Agreed. Norton went out of her way to make Landon someone who was raised to carry himself with poise into a sniveling coward that Opal is tasked with drawing out. I found there were plenty of what seems to be historical inaccuracies too. While the story takes place in specifically the Regency era, my knowledge personally pertains more to the Victorian era where ladies uh, ladies' maids were And other staff were forbidden from like pretty much dating
1: um was that true in the regency era um it was because it you know spending any time alone with a man regardless of your social status would ruin your quote reputation yeah and the reputation of your staff is an extension of yours as a lady yeah um in this case i don't think it was so much that her maid had dated as it was a family friend had sort of surprise proposed to her okay. and she'd always kind of had a secret crush on them. Okay. So I guarantee you they never actually spent any time together. So, yeah. um, but I think that explains that, you know, social etiquette thing.
0: But, um, well, thank you for that. I learned, uh, i have forgotten that small detail, but, um, also one thing I will note was Opal's lack of knowledge on social etiquette <sighs> is a Astounding. I am surprised that with her now living with a loving family uh, and having been so for, what was it, like a year? Or more. Yeah, um, she still thinks it's acceptable to be alone with a man because she has, quote, enough experience with people to know who is safe and who isn't. Unquote, girl. No one and two. Why hasn't anyone told you that it's no good to be alone with a man when you're seeking a suitor? Surely she had to have learned some of that after coming to London
1: before entering society. That was the most implausible detail for me.
0: Yeah, her
1: her brother is so attentive to every detail of her life and making sure that she's taken care of. Now that he's rescued her from an abusive mother you know, Mm -hmm. that he was unaware of, that, you know, it just completely boggles my mind that he would not have told her the basics, or that anyone would have, that her sister-in-law would have allowed her to go about her daily life thinking that this was something that might be remotely appropriate. It's just not possible. Yeah, because Wasn't Iris
0: the one preparing her for the season? Like, that ball was her entrance into, real, like, full-on society. Yes. That ball was thrown for her, if memory serves. Yes. Uh, To be like, meet Opal, essentially, and come date her. But she was not given this one very specific...
1: Like this, It's just not up for debate. This, there's yeah. no way that she would not have known this unless she was a complete idiot or everyone yes. around her was totally incompetent and negligent. Yeah. And since neither of those things are the case at all, I mean, it just makes no sense. It's a real plot hole for me. Yes. But what I really liked was the way that this book talked about family. Mm-hmm. Because they acknowledged that Opal's mother and her other brother were abusive to her, um, but also once her older stepbrother came and, you know, after her mother and brother passed away, you know, took her away to a better life and she now lives with him and his wife. And you know, they have such a good relationship where yeah, it's she, she and Iris on, uh, you know, the book opens with them caring for Olivia's niece and nephew. And, um... Opal's. Opal's niece and nephew. (laughs) Before we confuse anyone. (laughs) I don't know why that came out. Well, you know, Ruth, you should have definitely named her Olivia. Just saying. (laughs) Um, For some reason, I always see Olivia as a loud name. I don't know why that is. And she has enough of that, like, I don't know, like, brash attitude. Yeah. Anyway. But
0: I I do, like, I I think Opal is a nice name.
1: And it's beautiful.
0: Yes, it is a beautiful name. But man, that, that repetitive description. This is my mother's favorite gemstone because of how it shined. It shined so many ways, she said. <laughs> like It was It was, there was painful. So, that's the one that stands out in my mind the most. But there were so many instances of her, of Norton, or Norton uh, showing and... Or, you're supposed to show, not tell. And she very much did... Telling over showing in fact seemed to favor that and even es- towards especially, the Especially
1: Especially with Opal's background was something that we had discussed previously off the podcast. Yes. That you know, they say that Opal was essentially held prisoner by her mother on their country estate and that she was constantly physically abused until she turned thirteen, at which point she attempted suicide. And after that, she pretended to go insane so that her mother would stop hitting her and hurting her physically, Mm -hmm. which was effective. But essentially, what I've told you is as many sentences as this gets in the book. There's no detail, no flashback, Mm -hmm. no evident PTSD that she has as a result of this. Yes,
0: like we get her nightmares, but that's a That's pretty much it in terms of flashbacks and such.
1: And it's not overly specific either.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's literally the dreamscape and how the brain processes those things. We don't get her reflecting on it. We get her maybe shoving it down a little bit, but some of that needs to seep through a bit more because we're just getting told and not shown. And usually I am against the whole like flashback thing. I think it's tacky and just about every instance but there that's because I think it's overused for the most part but this book really could have like used a flashback or two
1: so at the end of the book I read in the summary of the next book that it would delve into the past because it is the story of Olivia's brother coming and marrying Iris and starting that family and rescuing her but you know this is Opal's story. Yes. Opal's background should be in her love story. Yes. We shouldn't have to wait and, like, lead us on a cliffhanger of, like, well, what really happened to get the next book? Which, by the way, I am not buying. Because it's... 13, and I'm not reading it. It's 13 bucks, isn't it? Oh, man. What a rip.
0: And I... If you're going to do something like that and not give the full backstory, it needs to be... The, The story about her brother should have been the story
1: that came first. First, I agree completely. I'm really not sure why this was the first book in the series. It doesn't make much sense. You start in an established family having detailed all these past events, but that's not the first book in the series? Like, that's just poor planning.
0: And even then, I feel like maybe... I feel as if the leaving these huge holes in opal's history if a person started to fall in love with these characters and did happen to fall in love with these characters because people are looking for different things when they're reading a book they're oh, not necessarily looking for high-end literature like we kind of have been trained to oof i'm feeling um, a little called out there <laughs> you want me both though yeah um <laughs> both creative writing majors at the same university. Of course, we have
1: very similar perspectives on this. Things that we won't let slide. You don't say let's go for a horse ride. Are you serious? (laughs) This is Regency (laughs) romance. It's shall we go horseback riding in the park or shall we go for a ride? These are acceptable ways of phrasing that. um,
0: Back to what I was saying is I feel as if these holes in opal's history and leaving us quote-unquote wanting for more sure i'd like to know more about her history and i'd like to be shown and not told uh but i don't want to know enough to spend what was it, 13 bucks on the next book <laughs> but i feel like that was set up so the peop- so people would bu- have to buy the next book And then there would be just enough in that next book where they'd have to buy the next book. Because I think it's like a four or five book series, isn't it?
1: Um, It's too many. I can tell you that. So the other thing that I found alarming is that, you know, people rated this book. And I saw several reviews mention that they generally like her writing, but this book felt like a flop. Okay. Which was interesting to me because they mentioned that, you know, she writes romance novels with unusual plots, like the speech impediment and both of them being virgins. Like, these are interesting twists. Yes. We don't deny that this book has the markers, the hallmarks of being an unusual hit. Mm -hmm. She just failed to execute that well. Yes. I would be willing, I would be willing to try another book by her. Maybe even in a different series to see if these people are onto something by saying,
0: "Yes, that's... this
1: book was a flop, but generally, I like her efforts to do these other things, yes, because as we 've discussed, these are some of the reasons we like the book mm-hmm. and we I also liked the characters, yeah, you know I really I was happy to see a supportive family, yes, who cared on both sides, and even though. You know, Landon's brother is a compulsive gambler and is always running up debts that he expects his brother to pay off. He also is described as reading his mind, you know, and knowing what he's thinking even when he hasn't said it. Yeah. Which is a huge relief for Landon because he has to say fewer words. Mm -hmm. And he's there to help him purchase a house and is willing to be his voice when Landon is uncomfortable speaking. That was very heartwarming for me. It
0: was. And it, it showed the brotherly bond in there. Yeah. And the fact that he he felt so insecure going to London, but he knew he could stay at his brother's house for one night, it's just things went terribly wrong. Uh, Which ended up being terribly right. Yes. But But also, I did find that whole, like, scene where those women were going in, sneaking behind the, the, um, the... couch essentially and snickering and stuff. I found that highly unrealistic too.
1: I don't know. I think that it was not written out in a way that was very realistic or believable, but I can totally picture some catty mean girls That's eavesdropping true. on a conversation just to poke fun of the person later.
0: Yeah. And when when did the uh when did the season start? Like, when did uh, young women enter society in the Regency era? Very
1: young. Like, about what age? Maybe 17, 18.
0: Okay, I can see that a bit more now.
1: You know, these are teenagers or very early 20s. Yeah. You know, minimum. Um, And depending on the year, I mean, it could even have been a little younger than that.
0: And most of us, uh, I know
1: Natalie and I have been to high school, and I'm sure most of you listeners have been to high school. Um... Think about your cattiest high school girls and how they would react to someone with an obvious disability. You know, that, unfortunately, in our society somehow makes people a target, and they latched on to that. And one of the reasons that we both really liked the character of Opal was she knew nothing about Landon, she didn't know who he was, they'd never met. And her first instinct on hearing them make fun of someone like that was to defend him, send those women away, because it was her house and her party, Mm -hmm. and then want to speak to him in private to explain, you know, I don't know if you're looking for a wife or not, but you should avoid these women because they're only pretending to talk to you so they can make fun of you later. It was, like, a really good thing to do.
0: Yes, In fact, I want to uh, read part of it because I, uh, I want to share, because when she called out those women, it, it was a, it was a, it was a zing and I really
1: approved.
0: So, and obviously if you're this far into the podcast and after our spoiler warning, you've either read the book or you don't care about spoilers. So, um, if you want to go ahead and pause the recording, all right, and here we go. I found it now. Alright, so, the three ladies scampered out of the room, and since they put their hands over their faces to cover their identities, Opal called out, Your gowns are so garish, we'll recognize you as soon as we see you in the ballroom. My advice is you go home. One let out
1: a gasp and stopped, but the other two ushered her down the hall. (laughs) It was a real burn, and honestly, I appreciate that shade. You know, given the way that they treated this man that they know nothing about, the situation that they know nothing about... And someone whose title is far and above whatever they possess uh-huh. is, I mean, it's totally rude. Yeah, and there's no excuse for that, even in a society where there's a lot of um, rude ways to say things that are, you know, polite ways to say things that are rude. Mm-hmm. That's still totally like yes should should be really frowned upon.
0: <laughs> so that 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 bit of shade, I was like, oh snap.
1: Yeah, it made me really like Opal. Yes, even more. Like that was what cemented it for me was her defending a stranger like that, but not just being a Mary Sue, not just being a goody goody. Because like
0: before that, she was all like, "Well, it doesn't matter if he's handsome, and of course I'd have to meet his expectations." But I
1: mean, he better be handsome. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, you know, you want to be attracted to your partner. But then that was like, not only was she a goody-goody, she didn't try to nice her way out of it with those ladies. She didn't try to explain things to them. She gave them some straight-up sass and told them to leave, and then insulted them on the way out. (laughs) Like, I appreciated that facet of her personality as well, because Mm -hmm. I think it shows her determination, yeah. And, you know, some some strength and self-confidence as well. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, obviously, if you've been listening, she definitely needed to be yes. dealing with Landon.
0: Yes! Oh my god, the under-the-bed thing. I still can't get over that.
1: So should we, should we wrap it up now? Yeah, so let me just address that hiding under the bed. So, during the wedding ceremony, he drops a handkerchief that is handed to him because he is sweating so profusely. He and his brother both bend over to pick it up. They crack their skulls together, and Landon is so embarrassed that he literally runs out of the drawing room right at the end of the wedding. don't forget that Opal slips and falls over and reveals her stockings and her, what was it, her... Her, her, like, whole bottom of her legs is out of her dress because she fell backwards (laughs) as a result of Landon bumping into her after bumping into his brother. He then is so disgusted with his own actions that instead of helping her up and apologizing and having the kiss to end the wedding ceremony, he literally flees and hides in the attic.
0: Yeah, and at one point they're like, well, do we have everything we
1: need for them to be married? Like, somebody said something yes. really close to those lines. Yes, and the, and the <laughs> priest was like, yeah, that'll do it. They're, they're good. They're married. <laughs> um, what the hell? Uh... And this is with, like, six people in the room. Yes. People who he has had comfortable interactions with. Mm-hmm. You know, three of the six are his brother, his sister in law, and their infant daughter who he loves and spends time with. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a. And Opal's
0: given him zero reasons to be afraid. She stood up for him. She's been nothing but nice to him. Mm-hmm. She has been nothing but. Thoughtful. And gone
1: out of her way to make him feel comfortable. I think that this was a real overreaction given the situation. Mm-hmm. And also given the uncomfortable, awkward nature of their introduction and, and forced engagement. Yeah. That this was an unnecessary, awkward and uncomfortable situation for them. Yeah. You know, I can totally understand why he would have been uncomfortable on their wedding night. It is supposed to be the man who has all the experience and... The world is full of romance novels where it's a highly experienced Rake who's just yeah. so tired of seducing easy women that yes. he must have this, you know, sassy virgin. Um, you know, that's great and everything. It was actually really nice to see them get through things together because mm-hmm. they both kind of have like a vague idea of and like, yeah, they both we're pretty sure this body part
0: goes here. They both fumbled through it. Although, one thing that really cracked me up, they didn't use any other word to describe the penis than the word penis i don't know if you noticed that I didn't they notice only that. use the word penis only use the word penis huh and many other like in every other romance yeah novel there's read, some
1: more romantic the, euphemisms out yes, there than penis yeah <laughs> um hmm. yeah the so the hiding under the bed so opal is lying in bed and she is concerned that he will not be brave enough to come to her She was concerned he might not be brave enough to take her clothes off, so she is lying in her own bed, under all the covers, but naked. Yes. It's, like, past 10pm, and now she's anxious that he won't come at all, so she puts her chemise on and goes down the hall to his room. He is not there, and she doesn't see him. He doesn't answer her until he sneezes under the bed, (laughs) and she peels up the covers like someone in a horror film. (laughs) land him and there he is and he won't even look at her when she speaks to him until she says i see you now this is something that when i was a child we had a misbehaving border collie who would stand out in the woods and when we called her name kelly kelly come here she would freeze and she was brown so she blended into the background and in order to get her to come in you would have to go I see you, Kelly. And then the damn dog would come to you. So Landon doesn't respond to her until she says, Landon, I see you. (laughs) And she has to get under the bed with him and talk to him to get him to come out. Yeah. And they do end up having sex. And, you know, my issue with this is I can totally understand him being reluctant, him being distant. Him going to another room, avoiding her. But hiding under the bed is a child mechanism. He is not sexually damaged you know he is not um it you know made... has not got ptsd or yeah. been abused mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense it's an overreaction yes. for anxiety
0: i would have had to i would have made i would have thought it would have made so much more sense if he was on his bed and had like pretended pretending to be asleep on yes. his bed or in the drawing room like on like hiding the in the library or something, or something. Yes. yes
1: um or in the attic again <laughs> I mean, we've been there. So this time, maybe he could have climbed into... Previously, Opal had been described as looking in a large trunk for him. He should have gotten in the trunk. She'd already checked there. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just... It was so comically ridiculous. It almost eliminated, it almost eliminated my ability to emotionally recognize the severity of his anxiety that was going on because she made it so cartoonish. And I have a very close friend with severe anxiety mm -hmm. and all of these concerns and the sweatiness, these are all legitimate manifestations, but she wrote it so poorly that it made it seem ridiculous instead of something to be worried about and sympathize with.
0: It made me not look at our hero, the protector of Opal, As a man, but more a child.
1: Yeah, the hiding under the bed really cemented it.
0: Yeah. So, I think in my notes on my Kindle, I even just put, what? (laughs) (laughs) Let me
1: find that. The two of us had a text exchange that was, is he hiding under the bleep bleep bed right now? (laughs) I was I
0: wanted to message you so many times because I'm a much slower <laughs> reader than Natalie. So I had to start reading it immediately after. She started mess she started messaging me three days ago. I finished the book yesterday too.
1: <laughs> I also reread the entire thing this morning just to be clear on the details. I made lots of notes. <laughs> well, so here you've had it. Our um hmm, experience It was an experience. Yeah, that's an appropriate way to put it. So, you know, we would recommend this for entertainment, for a good humor. Um, You know, it wasn't terrible. We enjoyed the characters. The overall story had its charm. As I said, I would be willing to give another of her books a chance, without paying for it, to see you know if if this really is Let's book. revisit her in about
0: a year or two I and think... even if it costs money if it's one of her most recent books absolutely brand yeah, new Yeah, we'll split it. Yeah, we'll we'll split it and we'll give it a read and we'll give it another fair
1: shake. That sounds like a plan. So stay tuned for our revisiting Ruth Ann Norden. Yes. And um possibly another marriage by fate book. We'll see cuz I sort of want to know more about Opal's background. <laughs> so if this book was the flop, we'll see about the next. Yes. All right. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. This is
0: thank you for attending our Petty Party. This is Natalie. And this is Grace signing off. We'll see you next in two weeks.